This is Smetty from the Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gatz, and you are listening to the Fan Levitard Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fan Levitard Show. Ty here asking you kindly to follow, rate, and review this podcast. Five stars would be appreciated, as would following the show on Twitter at Levitard underscore fan. I'm really excited about this week's episode as Jessica Smetana joined me for a deep dive into Formula One with some occasional show questions thrown in. But before we get into the episode, I want to sincerely apologize to Smetty. Before we started recording the interview, I asked her how to pronounce her last name. And then I immediately messed it up when I started rolling. So Smetty, I apologize. There's a little Stugatz in all of us, but you already know that, don't you? With that being said, let's get into the interview. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome in the newest member of the shipping container, Jessica Smetana, or as you may know her, and others from the shipping container. <laughs> Smetty, how you doing? You good? I'm good. Are you good? I'm good. All right, so we were just talking about this off air, and it feels like a good place to start because your life over the past couple of months seems like it has been batshit crazy right now. Between uh, quitting Sports Illustrated to join Meadowlark Media trying to coordinate a move from New York to Miami, doing your job that included a literal 24-hour marathon, and on top of all of that, you're taking time to do fan podcasts such as this one. So how have you been managing all of that, and when do you actually think life is going to look more regular for you? That's a great question. Yeah, now that you've said it all like that, I'm like, I have been really busy, haven't I? <laughs> um, hopefully by August, I'll be settled into Miami. But yeah, moving during a pandemic, although, you know, things are, are mostly open now. When I first started looking at places, it was still pandemic time. So it's been a little bit more difficult than I think your uh, typical cross-country move, which is already, uh, as I'm finding out, logistically challenging, but soon things should be settled and, and I should be down there full-time. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, you are 24, is that right? 27, but we can go 27, okay, sorry, sorry. I, w I was going to offer you big kudos, like, wow, that is a lot to handle as a 24-year-old, but as a 27-year-old, you're off the hook on that one. You've got to handle your shit there, so no. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I, there's not a big difference between 27 and 24. Talk to me when I'm 30, then, you know, you could assume that I'm an adult. All I'm right, still fair. halfway there. Fair enough. Well, to be fair, you are in the middle of some big life changes right now. One of those being that you have assumed a new persona. You are now Sugats in training. And so I am curious, like, how are you incorporating that Gatsian mentality into your day-to-day -day life? Like, for example, have you started scamming people out of money? Are you using Dan's name to get into famous restaurants? Have you been scheming for a way for you and Mike Greenberg to do a morning show together? Things like that. Mm, that is a really great question. I think I just lie a lot more now, like about everything. Like, you know, uh, someone will ask, have you had lunch yet? And I'll say no, but I just did. You know, I just, maybe they'll buy me lunch. So I'll just lie about it. I just think lying comes easy when you're Sugats. You could just, anything becomes a lie. It doesn't even, there has, there doesn't need to be stakes. When you're Sugats lying, it just happens. It's natural. 
have you felt any dirtier since since becoming Sugats, or are you really leaning into this? Kind of like uh, Heath Ledger did the Joker. Like, it's just the grime and just, like, what word am I looking for? The, the scams and just everything is just washing over you. I mean, if I had any integrity to begin with, I probably would feel dirty. But to be honest, I think that this is just natural. This is me. I'm Sugats. This is how it is, you know? It's good to finally embrace who I am as a, as a person. Has your boyfriend started referring to you as Sue yet? <laughs> no, God, not yet. That's I'll when that's lying. when you know things will have gotten really serious. <laughs> Just gotta lie a little bit more, and I'll <laughs> I'll get there with him. All right, so we got the easy stuff out of the way. Now I want to go to the hard hitting stuff. Smeddy, can we talk Formula One, please? Oh yes, I would love to. Okay. So, like yourself, I really got into Formula One during the pandemic because it was, like, the only thing on, and it was like, hey, this seems cool, why not? And as it turns out, unironically, it whips ass. It is really, really cool. So, before going into, like, specific F1 um, dynamics and stuff like that, what is it about Formula One that has gotten you into it and that has kept you captivated, coming back for more? Yeah, well, before I started watching Drive to Survive on Netflix, I had a lot of assumptions about what F1 was. I thought it was kind of like NASCAR. I thought it was kind of like, you know, a bunch of fast cars going in circles. I didn't really have high expectations. And then I started watching the show, and the show does a really good job of introducing you to the personalities of Formula One. And that has what that is what has kept me... Uh, tuning back in every week because you kind of like fall in love with these guys or you hate them. Either one is great because, you know, you got to watch the races and just see how these weird dynamics play out. And I think the thing that is fascinating about Formula One is how openly some of them beef with one another and how um, it's just there's just like there's just a lot of shit talking and and they all kind of get along still, but then some of them don't. And, and like the interpersonal drama is, is really fascinating to me. I'm not a huge car or gearhead, whatever you want to call it, like car junkie. I don't know a lot about racing. Um, so I, I really just love the people. And I think, you know, it helps that the events are always in these kind of cool places like Imola and this weekend in Austria, there's beautiful locations and, it's just that I'm, I'm very surprised by how it felt like it feels like kind of a secret that people have been keeping from me all this time, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I was always the same way. Like, I'm not a car person by any stretch of the imagination. NASCAR has never done it for me, despite growing up in Virginia. But this, for some reason, I guess it's like the personalities and just I, the, the broadcast of Formula One is so yeah. good. Like... Having having come from a background where I play a lot of games, I play Mario Kart, I play, you know, a little bit of everything, I look at that graphics set and I'm like, oh, all of that instantly jumps out to me because it looks like I'm looking at a video game right. with how they've got the map set up in the corner. It really the does. Times. Like, it's just so and clean. The, the camera behind the steering wheel and the audio that you can listen to during the race, like, there's nothing like that. Like... The, the drivers and the, you know, directors or whatever they're called. Directors, right? I don't know. Race directors, still, I think. Yeah. Race directors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm still learning. They <laughs> are so candid over the radio during the race. Like Yuki Sonoda a couple weeks ago when he was like, 
shut up <laughs> like yelling at them because they were trying telling him to push he's like shut up i am um i just i love that like there there really isn't a, a comparison to that in american team sports i think like a lot of uh our professional sports the main players tend to hold a lot back because they're you know they're, we'll talk about some thing kevin durant said for like a month in in the american news cycle and so um for good reason but i think like in f1 they're much more uh their personalities like really shine through okay i don't know if you can hear in the background my cat is losing his mind right now so i'm going (laughs) to go go kick him out of the room real quick and i'll be right back (laughs) no worries you never do this during interviews what are you doing I have done so many of these. Not once have either of them ever given me any sort of issue until just (laughs) now. Ah, God. Gotta love cats. My dog is, like, currently eating a rug, so if (laughs) I have to get up and stop her before she chokes and dies, that's that's what's happening behind me right now. All right, so we're in similar predicaments then, because your dog is chewing on a rug. Mine is tearing up all our carpet to get to some flowers that we have in a room, specifically so they won't get in and eat the flowers. (laughs) Um, All right, somehow transitioning back to uh, whatever the hell we were talking about. Formula One, that's right. Um... Okay, so this question I had to write out because I didn't know how exactly I was going to phrase this. So so bear with me as I read this out. The biggest story of the season so far, in my opinion, has been Red Bull's technical superiority to Mercedes, effectively breaking the vice grip that Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton specifically have had on the sport. Red Bull has been pouring most of its resources into this car for this season, while Mercedes say they have spent most of their resources working on next season's car. What do you make of the results so far this season? Is this a potential changing of the guard, or is Red Bull just taking advantage of Mercedes looking more towards the future? That's a great question. So I think there's like a few, it kind of just depends how you view the strategy. Like I think Mercedes still thinks that this year's car is a winning car. Um, Because they really have been close. Although the last race, Mercedes was 18 seconds off, right? Yeah, way off. And and Baku, for example, when Verstappen had that horrible tire blowout, Lewis should have won that race. I think that whole restart was kind of driver error. So if that had not happened, they would still be neck and neck points-wise. And they're they're still close. Um, So it's an interesting strategy because, like, you have to wonder if Red Bull does win this year are they going to be really behind on next year's car? And is Mercedes really playing the long game here? Um, and if they are, does it make sense that they're going to give up this as a four or five year run that they're on with Lewis and, yeah. and like risk him? I think he is signing an extension, right? Like that's the other thing that's kind of up in the air right now is that there, I know that like the money situation next year is going to be different. Um, so it is interesting. I kind of tend to trust whatever Toto is up to because Mercedes is they're dominant and for a reason right like so i don't know it it is interesting to see if verstappen and red bull can pull really far ahead throughout the middle of the season um i think you know it kind of will feel like a changing of the guard but then there's next season and red bull might be working really good like really far ahead to do well this season to just fall behind further for next year's car 
Um, so I don't know. It's an interesting predicament that I think both teams are kind of in right now. So like I had mentioned earlier, I'm not really into the specifics of auto racing in that I don't know the finer points of just how cars work in general, right. like how they go forward. Um, but I did decide to dive in and read a piece from the Formula One website, and it was going into this... Um, oh, hell, I'm going to forget what it's called. I think it was like a distributor, maybe? I don't know. That sounds like it could be close. Anyway, Red Bull is doing something with that that is changing the airflow, and because they have a steeper rake angle, which is a thing mm-hmm. I did not know existed until yesterday, it's allowing them to basically get more downforce and right. go go faster down the straights, which they're, I think, two-tenths of a second faster on average down the straight than Mercedes is. So I thought that was a little bit interesting because, again, complete novice to all of this stuff not not like i you show me a car outside of like the the decals and stuff like that they they all look roughly the same to me and i'm curious like i've actually never watched drive to survive is that stuff that they like get into on the show or yes not a ton um not not really like into the nitty gritty though like the formula one articles that you're reading are definitely more technical they'll kind of explain it in broad terms on the show but i just it does seem like lewis really cares about this season and his um you know maintaining his his winning streak um and he was kind of calling for like hopefully there we'll get an engine upgrade and toto was like don't count on it so it feels like lewis and uh mercedes might not be on the same page with that and I think that's kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about Lewis Hamilton, but I am a fan and Tell I am me. rooting for him. Even though everyone tells me rooting for Lewis Hamilton is like being a Patriots fan. No, like, nonsense. Okay. But the Patriots are lame and boring and stupid, like do your job. Like I like they're vanilla ice cream. Lewis Hamilton is, says what's on his mind. He is cool. He is just amazing at what he does i admire him he cares about a lot of things that other drivers don't give a shit about and i want him to win sorry for saying it but it's true so hopefully mercedes gives him that engine upgrade and his dog roscoe is adorable oh my god his dog is so cute there's probably like diehard f1 fans like what the fuck is she talking about you know what the more the merrier is what I say. When people tell me that like they're oh I you never watched college football until X Y and Z I'm like great love to have you aboard. I feel like some F1 fans are a little like hey we were we they're like F1 hipsters like we liked the sport before it became cool and I'm like you know what I don't care I like the, it too now. <laughs> the, pa- the pandemic shut everything down. They came back. Sorry, right. not going to apologize. Right. <laughs> right. If this means that, like, F1 races now have better ratings and better time slots and more people watch them and they come and do more races in the States, then you're welcome. (laughs) Oh, speaking of that, how fucking pumped are you for Miami? Oh, my God. I am so... That is definitely going to be my first F1 race because I'm I'm not going to Austin in the middle of college football season. Um very excited i found out about that about like a week before maybe a day before i formally announced i was taking this taking this job and moving to miami so that the timing was like impeccable it it really felt like a sign to me so you guys are going to leverage some of your um i I guess connections down there being that you are part of the meadowlark enterprise you're gonna have a yacht there right like there's gonna be a meadowlark yacht i hope so but also um I mean, 
it's isn't it in like Miami Gardens? I don't know if there. I, I really I don't know no Miami idea. very well. I think it's like in the middle of like it's by Hard Rock Stadium, which not sure if there's any water nearby. Maybe there is. Maybe there's like a river. I don't know. I'll figure this out when I move there. But um, yeah, hopefully I can go and explore and have fun and maybe you know leverage some connections. Maybe meet a few of the drivers. I don't know. I mean, would that be the craziest thing in the world? Might be kind of fun. I suspect that you will be leveraging that Meadowlark position into press passes for that race. That would be my guess. You are going to have, like, you, Juju, some other video person out there, and you guys are just going to tear up that Formula One race. Press passes are not good enough i need they're not good enough passes press passes press passes will get i mean actually you know i've never i've obviously never been to an f1 event i have no idea what the press situation is there um maybe it's better than like nfl press passes where you just have to you get like the press box and just have to interact with other reporters and it's like cool (laughs) that is such a bleak (laughs) experience like i actually i will i will one-up you an nfl press box is sad but depending on the game and the opponent, a college football press box is even more sad. Like, yeah, some of those are real bleak. It is funny because people will always say, like, can you get me tickets to X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, well, first of all, no. Second of all, if I was going, I would be getting a credential to cover it if I was covering the event. And third of all, like, I would much rather just buy a ticket and sit in the stands than be credentialed. Unless it's like the Super Bowl, and then obviously you can't get tickets because it costs a million dollars um so yeah sitting in the press box like maybe it would be fun if you're just a random fan and like want to just have that experience and see what it's like because i think i think that would be kind of interesting to do one time but if you're actually like a football fan and you're not really covering it for anything in particular you just like need to go to the event like it's not that fun i'd rather just sit in a seat and get nachos and drink a beer (laughs) okay anyways so I don't know what F1 press passes are like, but yeah, yeah, bare minimum, I'll take a press pass. I'm like making all these demands right now. Like I literally became an F1 fan in April and I'm like, I need to drive the safety car. Sugats. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, it's developing right in front of our eyes, folks. This is so <laughs> exciting to watch this play out in person. I'm, I love- I'm like the world's most entitled F1 fan that didn't know it existed until two months ago. Oh, oh wow. man, do they do they do like a uh, a signal like? Uh, I guess they don't. They like IndyCar is like drivers start your engines. They don't really do that. It's just like the clock flips and the then lights all of a sudden out they thing. start. Yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe they'll just let me say like lights out on air. I'll just say ooh, lights out you, in Miami. You could do the checkered flag, maybe. Ooh, they do do a checkered flag. flag. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. There are actually a lot of people with flags because that's how they signal to them when there's a safety car, etc. So. I don't know. Maybe I could leverage that that type of job. Although, I mean, I'd rather just sit in a paddock party at that point, have some fun tailgate. Yeah, like, I feel like we've started actually going backwards. It was like you're being pampered at this event to now you're just working the event. (laughs) Right, now I have, like, a job and I have responsibilities. No, 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 no. Let's go back. Yeah, pull pull that back. uh, At most, waving the the checkered flag. At most. Other than that, uh, just lots of champagne. Exactly. As I say that, take a sip. <laughs> nice. It is definitely too warm here for a red wine. It's, yeah, it's too warm here for a red wine, but I didn't have a white chilled, so. Are you in, are you in Virginia? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. 
actually just came back from this event. We have, uh, I live oh. five minutes down the road from Virginia's largest distributing winery. So my wife and I are members there and we go there every Wednesday and yeah, we have a lot of their wines. This uh, is a three ninety nine Malbec that I got from Trader Joe's and it tastes <laughs> like it. It's dog shit. It's not good. Gotta love that Trader Joe's two buck chuck. Ah, good stuff. All right, I want to I want to get back into Formula One because I am not done doing this deep dive. I want to talk. Right, I want to talk power rankings, Smetty. Can we Ooh, talk Formula One power rankings? Let's do it. All right. So the way I look at it, you have two more than two distinct tiers, but at the top you have two distinct tiers. Tier one, you have Hamilton versus Stappen. Obviously, no one's going to dispute mm-hmm. that. The next tier down is like your Sergio Perez, your Valtteri Bottas. And what mm-hmm. I'm curious is like, have we gotten to the point now where Lando Norris is up in that second tier? Oh, absolutely. His last, I think his all of his finishes except for two this season have been like top five, right? And he's finished, I think, every race ahead of where he qualified, if I'm correct. Maybe minus one or two. I can't remember exactly. I'm not a stat machine, but yeah, I think he's having an amazing season. And it almost like I kind of feel bad because Daniel Ricardo is having a really not so great season in the other McLaren seat. And yes. I don't really know what's going on there. Um, and I, I love Daniel Ricardo. I think he's hilarious and awesome. He's like one of the people who I watching the F1 show on Netflix. I was like, oh my God, like how did I not know this guy existed until now? He's a content machine. Um, but yeah, I love Lando Norris. He is, I call him baby Lando on Twitter. Cause he is like what? 23, 24. Yeah. 23, maybe 24. Maybe I was confusing your age with Lando Norris's age. Maybe that's, yeah, that's probably right it. Yeah. And it's funny that I call him baby Lando. Cause we are almost the same age, but, um, yeah, baby Lando is having an amazing season and I'm, I'm very proud of him. Um, so, okay. Because you love baby Lando and I love baby Lando and I want to give a quick shout out to my good friend Alana. She is uh, either like three or four years old. She's uh, the daughter of some friends of ours who have also, like us, gotten super into Formula (laughs) One. And she is a big Lando Norris stan. So shout out to you, Alana. I don't know if you will ever hear this, but uh, shout out. Um, But okay, I want to defend Lando Norris's honor and I want you to help me do that. Against this asshole, Max Verstappen. What a dick this guy is. Like, all right, so for... For the backstory, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, Lando Norris, like we said, he's on the younger side. He's very open. He grew up in an open society. He has been very, very open and candid about his struggles with mental health, anxiety, and things like that, which any long-term listener to this podcast knows, I'm pretty passionate about that. I kind of get where he's coming from. And so he's been very open about that. Max Verstappen comes out and publicly, basically jabs at Lando for revealing that sort of thing, saying that he would never say anything like that because it gives his opponents a competitive advantage. How full of shit is Max Verstappen, Smeddy? I mean, this is part of the reason that I'm team Lewis Hamilton this season, because Lewis is another person who's been very open about like how difficult the F1 lifestyle is and how he gets depressed sometimes. And, and like mental health is a serious thing that like people shouldn't be afraid to talk about. Um, and to go after a little baby Lando for just saying his honest truth is just so sad to me. So Max Verstappen, I'm not going to say he's on my shit list, but he might be on my shit list. 
Smeddy, I would be lying to you if I didn't have a goal coming into this podcast, and my goal is to have you say the words, Max Verstappen is an asshole. <laughs> Did I say he's an asshole or kind of an asshole? Because I always hedge whenever I'm saying anything about any athlete. I mean, feel feel free to to set the record straight right now. If you no, want. I have no idea what I said. I'm just talking right now. Uh, the tape, tape doesn't lie. Whatever I said, I said, and I probably meant it. See, I said I'm, properly. Hedging. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know. Just to be safe, why don't we why don't we just roll the tape back? We'll double down. You can say Max Verstappen is an asshole. If you didn't say it, then we can just keep this in. If not, we can get rid of it. You know, I win, you win. Max Verstappen, fuck off. <laughs> Max Verstappen, be nice, be kind. That's all I have to say to Max Verstappen. Now, see, that's that's. See, okay. High here's road, a, high road, high here's road. Here's what just happened, ladies and gentlemen. Moral superiority. Sue got here just took the high road because she's going to have press passes for Miami and when she gets to exactly. interview Max Verstappen yeah. she doesn't want on the record that she called him an asshole so she's going to let You're me exactly sit right. here and do it. You're exactly right. Alright, here's what I'll say about Max Verstappen. Set the record straight. What he did was wrong. That's so tepid, I, I stand Smitty. by that. I stand by that. If I, get, if I get uninvited to the Miami Grand Prix for talking shit about like world champion Max Verstappen in this podcast... Um, I'm going to feel like an idiot. So don't, don't you crown him just yet. I I, I still believe in Lewis. (laughs) I do too. God, Lewis, please win. Please win. So none of this matters. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Uh, cause yeah, no one's going to give a shit if you talk about the guy who finished his second place, but right. Of course. Fuck. If he, if he wins, you're in, you're in a lot of trouble, Smeddy. All this newfound credibility you have at Metal Arc Media going right down the drain. I got credibility and then I lost it the next day just by speaking on the podcast <laughs> saying the Steelers were not going to draft a running back. So whatever credibility I had, it lasted probably 12 hours. Actually, this this right here could be a fantastic test of you being Sue Gotts because if this is a, a Stu Gotts situation, nothing's going to stick to him. Nothing he says ever matters. So in this case... You can call Max Verstappen an asshole here, and then two weeks later say he's the greatest driver ever and that you've always loved him. That is a great point, and that is probably what will happen if he does end up winning the world championship. Heady play. So stay tuned. (laughs) As David Sampson would say, hashtag more to see. Or wait to see. Fuck, wait to see. Wait wait to see. see. Oh, my God, I (laughs) fucked it up. David, I'm so sorry. It's all right. Um, All right, so. Clearly not catchy enough. Yeah, no. Do do better, David. <laughs> Friend of the show. Also, come on again. Um, <laughs> all right, Smitty. Here is here is a question that I have asked. I believe only Izzy so far, but I wanna I wanna make this into a thing on this show. So I'm gonna pose it to you as well. Um, I am a big stuffed animal person. I find them very Ooh. comforting. Um, okay. So, do you have any sort of stuffed animals and or comfort items? in your house um i have a teddy bear that i grew up with his name's ted ted um my dogs ripped his head off once and my nanny sewed it back on and that is ted ted so yeah i have one and it's ted ted is 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 ted ted still with us like it sounds like he he may have he's around yeah he may have pulled a mike ryan and just he's (laughs) he's in a i think he's packed in a box somewhere but uh yeah ted ted well shout out to my one Shout out to Ted Ted. We we are pro stuffed animals here on this podcast. We encourage everyone <laughs> to get them and to, to give them a hug every once in a while. Because sometimes, you know, just need to snuggle. 
Exactly. Like, it's, it's weird when kids don't grow up with stuffed animals, right? Like, everyone has one. I would argue that uh, kids who don't grow up with stuffed animals probably are likely to end up becoming serial killers. They don't know how to Ooh. love. They don't know how. They don't know empathy. <laughs> Has Whittingham owned a stuffed animal once in his life? Oh, I will find out. I I will find out. I should have asked him this when he was on because now I feel like the pieces are coming together. Like it all makes so much sense. He I never will. had anything to snuggle, and so he just. I will decided. definitely look into this. <laughs> oh man. Uh, speaking of him being a, a serial murderer, uh, have you fully recovered from freedom or are you still feeling those lingering effects? Uh, I think at this point I have recovered. I think it took the full month. Like tomorrow we turn the calendar to July and I will feel fully back. But yeah, I mean, one of the lingering effects of freedom was like, we haven't done a show with Mike in a month. So like (laughs) that, you know, it's been... It's been, like, a, a really, like, strange three weeks since that show just for that reason. Because, like, you know, I mean, you're a fan of the show. Like, Mike's absence is always felt. He is, he is like, the, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm horrible at analogies. But if, like, Dan and Stu are, like, the heart and the blood, then Mike is, like, the kidneys and the liver. Like, he's filtering in all of the good and all of the bad. And, like, you wouldn't have a, sh- a good show without your Mike Ryan. Um... I feel like I'm probably the gallbladder. Um, Whittingham is the, uh, maybe the spleen. Anyways, so I, yeah, uh, it's been a weird month, <laughs> but no, it's, I'm just kidding. It's been, it's been, it's been fun kind of like, it felt like Levitard show boot camp because obviously I've been remote for, you know, the first like few weeks of, or I guess months of my um, tenure here. So having 24 hours straight in the studio was the equivalent of probably doing two weeks of show, but all at once. So it was like a really great like baptism by fire, I think. And I'm, I'm very grateful for it. I had a, a lot of fun and it was, um, I still want to go back and watch all of it now that it's finally on YouTube. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to relive it now that it's been a while because I really don't remember that much that happened because I was so deliriously tired after probably 10 30 p.m friday night so i will say freedom inspired me to try my hand at uh writing a show song and i am not musically inclined in any way and it quickly died on the vine when i realized just how bad at that i am but i want you to know (laughs) that my song was going to be based around you drinking cafecito to the point that your heart would stop so you should write lyrics to a song called cafecito to the tune of despacito you know what? That's really good, actually. And I will leave that up to someone who is better at that than me because <laughs> it sure as hell is not me. Like, no one wants to hear me sing. No one wants to hear me rap. No one wants to hear me do any of that. Um, in hindsight, I could have picked a slightly less difficult song to try to write to. I was going for Biggie Smalls' Hypnotize. <laughs> Maybe a bit That's ambitious. A, that is ambitious. But I will give you props for trying. The, the chorus was something along the lines of Smeddy, 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 can't you see? Your heart's going to stop from all that coffee if you keep drinking cafecito. And then I can never figure out that fourth line. Wow, that was, I like where this is heading, though. I feel like there was something like, there for someone more talented. I feel like we could, we could, we could work on this. Let's offline. All right, that works. Um, Smeddy, it has been an absolute delight having you here on the podcast. Before we let you go, I, I feel the need 
to to let you promote all the things that you have going on but everyone who listens to this podcast probably knows them but you can go ahead and, and promote anything you want right now for now I, I really don't have anything to promote other than follow me on social media once I move to Miami I will be doing a lot more behind the scenes stuff I'm posting more um, from show days so looking forward to that make sure you don't miss out on it Jessica Smetana, everybody, here on the Fan Levitard Show. Smitty, thanks so much. Thank you for having me.